Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Oh Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto Thee and will look up. Psalm 5. We just sing the songs and, you know, that better is one day in your court, better is one day in your house. That's Psalm 84. The sweet psalmist David. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life, to behold the beauty the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple, the temple of the Lord, to behold the beauty, the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple, the temple of the Lord. Awful songs come, right? Aren't they beautiful, simple songs and that's kind of how I grew up in Calvary Chapel. So some of y'all come here, and we've got this big worship band and all this stuff here. And, you know, it was for me, it was even more shocking because I came from the Hammond B3 to, to behold the beauty, the beauty of the Lord, to inquire. It's quite different. In Psalm 47, verse 1 and 2, write it down. Oh, clap your hands, all you people, and shout to God with the voice of triumph, for the Lord most high is awesome. Did you know believers are encouraged to sing about God 116 times in the Bible, to rejoice 195 times, to praise God 267 times, to bless God with gladness 48 times, and to shout 48 times? The Lord likes to see his people celebrating And then in Ephesians chapter 5, it tells us that we ought to be singing and making melody in our hearts toward the Lord, that we should bless God. And that's why singing and worship is important to me, and it should be important to you, and praising God is important. And that's why we give great priority to it here at Calvary Chapel. And that's why sometimes, honestly, listen to me, when I feel that the church, the body's not worshiping, I feel compelled. To, to come to the stage and to stop the music and to try to help you to refocus because we're not here to perform. 
We're here to worship. And I wouldn't be your pastor. I'll wait while you clap your hands. And I wouldn't be your pastor, and I wouldn't be your friend, and I wouldn't be a man who's supposed to be teaching you the word of God and a godly man if I didn't help you to understand. You don't sing God's words, just mumble them off your lips so you can kill time. It's not song service. It's worship to the great and the awesome and the mighty God. And this is where I'm going to wait while somebody get excited about that. And worship is important. That's why I stopped. Not because I'm not happy with the song. I don't care. We can play spoons. I don't care. I care that your hearts are not engaging because I'm the pastor. I can feel it. I can feel it in the spirit. And to tell you the truth, you can too. Can't you? And to me, it's nothing worse than God's people getting together and just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Servant, awesome God, what is wrong with Christians? We should be praising God every moment we get and singing and worshiping God and in your car and walking down the street and blessing God and worshiping the Lord because he's been so good and isn't that enough? And I just don't get it. And I don't think everybody needs to be like amped up like me. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. <laughs> not, no, I'm not saying we have room full of me. It wouldn't be chaos. And I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that. How can, you, how can you not worship God? How can you just sit there and do this? How can you just unattached, uninvolved? Or, or you come in and your mind is somewhere else or you're critical of, you know, I don't like the color of this carpet. I mean, you know what I mean? It's not, oh, the plants look a little dry today. And, uh, huh? I don't get it. And if your heart's not right and it's not going to get right in here, then do yourself a favor. Get some place where your heart can get right. You've got to do it for your own spiritual growth because if not, you just dry up. And then worshiping God seems like a brick wall. And your heart is not there. Your body is, but your heart is not there. And I can just tell you, I'm just trying to keep it real for you. God's not pleased with that. And you can come to church all day and you can stay here 24 hours a day and it won't make God any more pleased. He won't be. David was a psalmist and arguably a better psalmist than a king or a father. In verse 25, look at verse 25 in chapter uh, 12. And let me ask you to get, you know, I'll read you some names so you don't feel gypped. Okay. <laughs> look, at, look at verse 12. Matthiah and and. Y'all making me work for my money tonight, Lord. Mathaniah and Bakbukiah, Obadiah, Meshulam, Talmud, sounds like Salmon, Akbub, Akkub, were gatekeepers. Ooh keeping the watch at the storerooms of the gate. These lived in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Jeshua, the son of 
Josadak. Josadak, in the days of Nehemiah, the governor of and of Ezra, the priest, the scribe. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And think about this. God knows every one of their names. And we can't even hardly say their names. God knows their names. And they may seem insignificant. And ushers and greeters here at Calvary Chapel, God knows your name. And God knows people who serve in security. And God knows the hundreds of people who do children's ministry. And God knows you who signed up to serve in the vacation Bible school. And that's why we have so many more names this year. God knows every name. And God will reward accordingly. In verses 27 through 31. Now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with gladness, both with thanksgiving and singing with cymbals and string instruments and harps and the sons of the singers gathered together from the countryside around Jerusalem, from the villages of that place from the house of Gilgal, from the fields of Gibeah, and that place for the singers had built themselves villages all around Jerusalem. The priests, then the priests and the Levites purified themselves and purified the people and the gates and the walls. And so I brought the leaders of Jerusalem up on the wall and appointed two large, these are thanksgiving choirs. One went to the right hand on the wall toward the refuse gate and after them, went that guy and half of the leaders of Judah and all of them are listed right there in verse 35. Some of the priests, sons with trumpets, Zechariah, the son of Jonathan and the son of Shemaiah and a bunch of guys and they're all standing there at different directions at the fountain gate and verse 37. In verse 38, the other Thanksgiving choir went the opposite way. And I was behind them, Nehemiah said, with half the people on the wall going past the towers of the ovens as far as the broad wall. So the Levite saints had many responsibilities in, in the life and the worship of Israel. And the most important job was to lead the people in worship and praise to God. And for the most part, when Israel gathered to sing, they didn't sing a cappella. They sang with musical instruments. Did you know that there are at least 24 different instruments mentioned in the Bible? The harp, the lyre, the, that's an ancient guitar, uh, horns, trumpets, flutes, tambourines, drums, cymbals, and bells. The Levites were specifically appointed to use these instruments to lead the people. And in verse 28 and 29, go ahead and look there. It tells us they were specifically, there were specific appointed singers. And they would even live together as worship leaders. Uh, they had their own villages. Probably so they didn't drive other people crazy because musicians are nuts. And uh, I mean that in the best sense. <laughs> and since their job was singing and leading worship, they had to be good singers. But more importantly, listen. They had to be people of worship. There's a huge difference between being a great singer and being a great worship leader that honors God. And honestly, I'm into good worship, and I think things should be done well, but worship is not entertainment. It's not performance. The goal isn't to give people a good feeling, although you might get a good feeling. Worship is to give God glory and honor and praise to his name. Notice in verse 30, the priests and the Levites purified themselves and purified the people 
and the gates and the walls. So everyone is here for dedication. Everyone has purified themselves. Think about that. What value is a dedicated wall without dedicated people? I think of Isaiah 1, 16 and 17. Wash yourselves and make yourselves clean. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The musicians are in place. The worship is being set in order. Then Nehemiah brings all the leaders and places them on the wall. Remember in chapter 2 when Nehemiah got there, the walls were broken down and the gates were burned? Man, this must have been a moment for him to gather all the leaders and they're standing up on that wall that was torn down, now being rebuilt. Are you getting me? It's completed and they're ready for worship. In verses 31 through 36, everyone is there with their musical instruments Nehemiah has the city surrounded with music like surround sound. That's an amazing day for the people. Remember earlier in Nehemiah, the people were grumbling and complaining and backbiting and putting heavy taxes on each other. Remember, we went through this together. And the people were getting discouraged and there were people doubting the project could be completed. And Nehemiah kept moving forward with what God showed him to do. And I wonder, is Nehemiah standing there thinking about the first time he walked around that wall? And it was in ruins, chapter 2. He had to leave the donkey he was riding on because there was so much rubble he couldn't pass, remember? And I wonder if Nehemiah is thinking about Tobiah and Sambalot and all the distractions along the way. And the people are coming against him on every side. And sometimes, you know, the day comes when you're discouraged and defeated and you're thinking, God, I can't go on. I'm tired and I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this and, and I'm tired of being a target, and I'm tired of taking all the shots from people, and, 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 and you as a leader, you, you can't shoot back because, you know, that's just bad form. Maybe Nehemiah experienced all this. People coming against him, and all he's doing is seeking to build the wall, and he's endured much. And so now he's standing on the wall. It's, it's built through everything. He's standing there and he's like, look at what God has done. And maybe he's thinking no matter what, somehow through the faithfulness of God, we've always seemed to get to the other side. And now he stands there and it's kind of a reproof to those who who didn't believe. And then in 40 verses 43, you can read this in your own time. But right about verse 43, uh, this thanks, large Thanksgiving choirs were there, as I mentioned, and, and they all did uh, they, they were praising and worshiping God and giving thanks. And the Bible says that they sang, look at verse 42, actually. They sang, the singers sang what, saints? Loudly. You see that? Probably because maybe the instruments were loud. But I love that statement. God made them rejoice with great joy in verse 43. God did it for them. Men, women, and children are worshiping. There's tremendous experience of worship for everyone. There's joy and there's worship, and, 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 and it was a testimony to others. And what they heard was not so much singing itself. They heard the joy. Look at verse 43. Also that day, they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem. Did you get that? The joy of Jerusalem was heard. Their joy was heard. 
So what was heard was not so much the singing, but the joy was heard. God is not concerned with the volume. God is concerned with the heart. In verses 44 through 47, you read that in your own time, this was a day of giving. People bought their offerings and their tithe to the storehouse of the Levites. J. Hudson Taylor said, when God's work is done God's way for God's glory, it will not lack God's support. I like that. Let's be sure we get the order right. The first thing to do is give God you. Then give God your offering. 2 Corinthians 8, 5. They first gave themselves to the Lord, then to us by the will of God. It was a day of giving, a day of purification, a day of consecration. Holy things were set apart for the Levites. So there's great joy and rejoicing and celebration. Gratefulness and thanksgiving. Listen, I'm closing right here. Gratefulness and thanksgiving is always a part of true revival and true Christian maturity. We have a lot to be thankful for. Thankful, Nehemiah. Thankful that God even spoke to Nehemiah to go to Jerusalem to build the walls to do the work. Thankful that Nehemiah was a godly leader. Thankful that God moved on the king's heart to allow Nehemiah to go. Thankful for the wisdom of God that allowed them to overcome the enemy. Thankful for the spirit and the unity and the cooperation that prevailed. Thankful for the strength to labor. Thankful because the Bible says they had a mind to work. And of course, that begs a question from us, doesn't it? Are you thankful? I mean, really, are you really, really, really thankful? I mean, I'm not talking one time, like when you're in church and you're thankful, but I mean, truly from your heart. Are you listening? Truly from your heart. Are you thankful to God? God has been good. He's been good to all of us. And if I die today, I got nothing to complain about. Can I get a witness? <laughs> God's been good to all of us. And our culture, we are so trained by the media to grumble and complain. We're trained by our culture to grumble and complain about everything. Everything's a problem. It's not going your way. Everything's a problem. Nothing's right. Nothing's ever right. And for some people, nothing's ever right. It's just never right. Nobody here, of course, I'm just saying. We're so trained to grumble and complain. Christians, let's retrain ourselves to be thankful to God. We have much to be thankful for. And when you're thankful, listen, when you're thankful, you'll find yourself singing. It's true. When you just really, really, really have a heart of, uh, of thanksgiving and a heart of gratitude and a heart of, you know, God, I'm so grateful for it. You just find yourself singing a little song. Something from the Psalms. Read the Psalms. And let's be 
the kind of church that really worships God and not the kind of church that just comes in for song service. Or when worship, yeah, I can't wait for them to be done with that so I can get to the word of God. Some people are like that. Listen, ask, if you're like that, that's not a biblical attitude. It's not. And I'm not saying that everybody needs to be, you know, um, you know uh, so demonstrative in their worship. That's not what I'm saying. Because people worship in different ways. And it's not what I'm saying. But what I am asking you is to ask God to help you to engage your heart and engage your mind and engage your spirit as you worship God. And I think, you know, people even come here at church and they'll come to second service and they go, oh, second service, there's so much energy in second service. I just love to go to second. People worship God and so much energy in second service. Listen, there can be energy in every service. The energy, listen, does, listen, the energy does not come from the numbers of people. It does not. The energy comes because our hearts are engaged, and in that second service, there are people who come to it. I don't know who you are. God knows who you are, but you come to it, and their hearts are engaged, and, and it's that is that, that God honors, and that God hears, and that God receives, and that seems to permeate through the room, and the person next to you's heart is engaged, and you go, well, I didn't engage your heart, and I engaged my heart, and engage your heart, and before you know it, that engagement it becomes contagious and you get a room full of people who are worshiping God. It has nothing to do with the numbers of people. What, you can't worship God if there's three people? I was standing on the walkway just the other night and I'm talking to these people and this guy was telling me he could sing and we were just chatting, whatever, for fellowship, whatever. And he was telling me he could sing. I said, really go and sing right now. Somebody don't tell me you can sing. I'm going to ask you to sing right now, okay? Because I want to know whether I should ask you to ever sing again. Amen. At least publicly. <laughs> and uh, so hey, we were standing there singing. It was he, uh, him and his wife and another lady and her husband and me and Pastor Nelson. And uh, we got to singing. What were we singing? Blessed Assurance. Nelson, you got such a good memory. Blessed Assurance. And wasn't that worship? Just stood right there, four of us, just singing, talking. And then we just start singing. Sometimes I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm fighting an uphill battle. I do. I know God is with me. I know, I know, I know. I'm doing what God called me to do, but sometimes it feels like an uphill battle. It's like. God couldn't be any more clear on how we're to live and how we're to function and how we're to think. And the world has so permeated the church that preachers are like, are almost at a loss for words. It's very true. And they either do one or two things. They either just keep going uphill, along obedience in the same direction, 
or they succumb to political correctness and they start preaching a message that will make you happy and engage you. God loves us so much. He preserved his word so that we will know how to live. And may we be obedient to God's word. Stop living your lives in an unbiblical way and asking God to bless it. God will not bless that. This is not in my notes. God will not bless you when you're not obedient to him. And we love to hear God loves us. We love to hear there's none righteous, not even one. Don't judge me. We love to hear all come short in the glory of God. We love that. And we should love that because that's the word of God. But we should also love God said that he requires holiness and obedience. We should love that too. And there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And there is a way that seems right to man. But that way ends in death and destruction. You want to be blessed? Serve God. Obey the word. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Yeah, I said it. And trust your husband to the Lord. God can deal with them far better than you. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.